Hey, um, welcome to the Overshare Pamphlet. My name is Rob, and I'm the host of this one-man show. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> hello. I <laughs> hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys had, um, a great week, and I hope you guys are gonna have a great week ahead. But before we get into, um, anything specific, I want to give you guys a little bit of a rundown of what's gonna happen in this episode, because it's a bit of, um... An unpredictable one, I guess. I was planning to do, um, as my like as per usual, like my two or three stories, and I started researching my first one, which I am going to talk about today, uh, which is um, a bit of um, like analysis, I would say, with like the inconsistencies, I would say, of the English English uh, of the English language. Man, I cannot even speak English then. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that's that's gonna happen but then I was researching for a second story and while I was researching for it I kept on like realizing like I kept on thinking about how many fucking songs of the week this this week specifically I have you know well been thinking about but also been wanting to put on the episode and trust me there are so many so then when I was starting to put them in the list I was like, holy shit, I cannot, like, I don't think I will have time to go over every single one of them and do the the story that I want to do and do an extra story as well. So, I think that, unfortunately, I will only have to do one story, but if you think about it, all these songs, well, there's just as much research and, like, not research, but you know what I mean, like, um, I guess, like, I'm gonna talk a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about these um, songs. So, like, because there are so many of them. So, and it's a one in I don't know in a, in a ten episode uh, situation where I've never had these many songs. So, uh, the tea is teeing. You know, I'm sipping on the tea, and I'm like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> oh, actually, before I get into any of that, uh, to be fair, before I start actually like getting into real things. I want to talk about um, what's going on in pop culture, I guess. There are so many interesting, like, specifically music, of course, but there are so many artists that are making moves, I guess. So, first of all, Normani from Fifth Armory. Oh, first of all, actually, let's go back to, like, Fifth Armory, like, going through a renaissance right now on TikTok and everyone rediscovering um, Slatjammer and... What was it? Flex, Only My Head. I think that those were the two songs, but... I mean, they're doing it for giggles. They're not actually, like, trying to revive the group, because I think both Camila, Camila and Normani are, as I'm, as I'm going to talk about, are set on their own journeys. But, um, yeah, it's just funny. And then, while that was happening, we also got news that finally, Normani, after six fucking years of announcing it, six years! <laughs> She is dropping her album. We don't know when. It's going to happen in 2024. But she dropped the cover art of the album. Which leads me to believe that it's like soon-ish. It's going to be soon-ish. I think she also posted a snippet. I think it was R&B. An R&B song. That it's on the album, supposedly. And I'm excited. I'm very excited. Like, I truly think that she's so fucking talented. Especially as a dancer. But also as a performer and everything else. And I, her voice, her, her, her tone. It's... um very unique, like, very early 2000, 2000 um, R&B 
sort of performance in that sense. But yeah, she's coming back. And then in my last episode, I think I was talking about how like you know, um, Beyonce is coming back with a you know country album, and then it's uh, Post Malone, and then it's Lana, and then uh, Billy actually just said it. Like I was saying that maybe Billy was gonna come back, but. She most likely will, because she just posted on Instagram, well, this week, that she is done mastering her album. So, the mastering uh, portion, where it's, like, literally the last step of, ed- of the editing and putting the album together, um, is done. So, she just needs to, like, pick a date, I guess, and drop it. And, I don't know. I don't know if she already has a cover art, whatever it is, but... She's almost there as well, so I'm I'm sensing like summer summer release date for her. So exciting things about that. Then Bridget Mandler, <laughs> how do we get from? Well, but she she was a pop girl. Don't get it twisted. She was a fucking pop girl. Don't worry, she was. Um, <laughs> but Bridget Mandler, if you don't know her, she's from Disney. She has a Disney background. She used to be in. Lemonade Mouth, the movie, my opinion, that was the introduction I had to her. And then she was also in Good Luck Charlie or something like that. Um, but anyways, that doesn't matter, because she then started, like, she dropped two of the most, um, and I, I was about to say, like, innovative songs, but she, Shakespeare could never write what she wrote. Like, she could write Shakespeare's uh, plays and all that stuff. She could write, um, I don't know, Romeo and Juliet. She could write, um anything or any any like sort of like like you know romantic poem by i don't know lord byron or whatever it is like you know british poets don't have anything on bridge mandler none of them could write hurricane (laughs) (laughs) none of them could sample ready or uh, ready or not you know none of them could do that shit so yes (laughs) yes very much yes um so what's happening with her she is she just um her journey has been very interesting, I would say, for a Disney star, because usually Disney stars go from a um, acting, uh, you know, beginning with any Disney Channel show, and then they would switch to music or, like, drop music while they were acting and all that stuff. Like, see, for example, I don't know, Miley Cyrus, um, Selena, Demi, you name it. Um, and then it would stick to the probably the thing like the music lane for a while or dip uh, a bit into like the acting like Zendaya like or become fully actresses like um Zendaya for example yeah. um yeah so but she didn't do that <laughs> she is like I respect her so much so as soon as this lady was done with like the acting bits on um well, her music was becoming successful, not gonna lie. Like, she was getting some good numbers. She was getting some attention. But, I mean, she didn't have the greatest singing voice ever. She was not built for singing, I guess. I don't know. She, Well, I don't know if if that was her passion or not. Who knows? But, matter of fact is that then she went MIA for a while because she went to MIT, actually. She went to MIT, bitch. She got a PhD, I think, at MIT. No, wait. Yeah, or a master's. I can't remember. But she studied at MIT. Maybe it was PhD, actually. Um... Yeah, so that she did that, and then, <laughs> like, crazy shit, and then, <coughs> Jesus, and then, recently, it, oh, well, she, she started teasing, like, five, six years ago, something about music coming, but then she didn't drop it, of course, and now, apparently, she is, this this week, the news broke that she is the CEO of a um, 
satellite um, company, like startup. So this girl is just <laughs> she's insane. Like she is. Um, Oh, I saw a meme on uh, Instagram. I reposted it on my uh, my story. By the way, follow me on Instagram, bitch. Robscal.jpg. But <laughs> but she was. <laughs> I saw this meme. that's like like um you know those like what like the reincarnation memes. I don't know if you know the reincarnation memes. Let me find it for you. Like I'm gonna read it out for you because that's gold. So basically, it's like an an historical figure, an historical event, and then the date when that that happened, and then the date of birth of a modern you know contemporary artist or whatever it is and so it was died in 1519 born in 1992 artists doctor engineers physicists mothers welcome back leonardo da vinci but it's <laughs> literally da vinci and then next to it is just um bridget mandler so yeah she is she is the new leonardo da vinci so don't get her twisted she's gonna fuck shit up you know she is no, nobody's doing it like her. No, I can never predict what she's gonna do next. So, maybe she will run for presidency. Who knows? Like she's gonna become the next president, and I would vote for her. I mean, I cannot vote for her, but I would vote for her if I was. You know what? I'll get myself an American passport somehow, marry some random person, and then I'll be able to vote. You know, I'll do that. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so, congrats to, to my girl uh, Bridget. You are slaying, girl. Like you are doing it like no no one else. You know, she uh, as I said in my uh, threads as well. She's the blueprint, man. She's no one is doing it like her. Like point me to like one of the ex um, Disney girls. Matter of fact, any po ex pop girly or whatever it is that is doing it like her. Like this girl has tans. She has brains. She has a fucking PhD, man. Like what? And she uh, MIT. Come on, like let's not let's not kid ourselves. Like she's damn smart but anyways mo let's move on from this <laughs> so yeah all these things are happening then um yes i was saying music is shaping up to be like this year is going to be very busy for music so i'm very excited about that and somehow i also got a very busy week in terms of music i've saved so many fucking songs and i don't even know well actually no, to be fair, I actually didn't start with uh, Discovery Weekly. Um, it got slightly before before that. I I don't know how I actually incarnated this song. I can't remember. But um, yeah, so I saved these two songs. That's how it started. I saved these two songs. And then this was basically like on last Sunday or something. Yeah. And then on Monday, when the new Discovery Weekly updated playlist dropped on spotify for my own profile i went on it didn't expect much and then i had a streak like one two three four five six seven i saved seven songs in one listen like i was about to go to bed on monday and i was listening to music and i put a, put the, the playlist on and these seven songs play one after the other and i i kid you not i saved all seven of them I don't know if I'm going to tell you all about all these seven, but then, after that, through the Discovery Weekly, I, one of the artists that was recommended to me, I listened to her, and I found even more songs that I loved, loved. I still, like, I'm obsessed with her, but I'll get into her in a bit. And then, just, you know, the giggles, just, just the giggles, like, Selena Gomez dropped a song, and it's fucking bomb, but we'll get into that. So, first song. 
first song of the week is um, "Every Girl Gets Her Wish" by Saint Evangeline. Evangeline, I don't know. It's spelled as A V A N G E L I N E. So it's a bit of a weird way of spelling Evangeline. But anyways, this girl, uh, this girl, the, her voice is very similar similar to Lana's, and even the song I would say like uh, Lana the Ray. Uh, it's very similar to like a Lana the Ray song in terms of beat, in terms of pretty much anything. And it's just a quintessential Lana the Ray song, in my opinion. So that's why I was very drawn to it. She's very good at the performance that she does. I like it. The cover art is, like, stunning. It's like, um... Is that a bridal dress? I don't know. But and she has, like, flowers. It's just beautiful. The song is very, like... <clears throat> um... I wouldn't... I, I would say, like, maybe mid-tempo. Something like that. Yeah, maybe it's mid-tempo, actually. It's not, like... Uh, a slow, 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 slow song, but, um, yeah, so, this one, I was, like, immediately hooked, because her voice reminded me so much of Lana, and then the production and everything else was, like, Lana's, like, the instrumental and all that, so, saved it up, I was, like, oh, cool, 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 I'm, in, I'm returning it, I'm, I'm gonna return to this one, um, she kind of sounds like old Lana, to be heard, it sounds like, okay, here's the way you're putting it, it sounds like demo Lana songs, you know what I mean, um, so, yeah, if, if you know that vibe, it's very, like, grungy, still sounds like a demo, basically, but it's, like, um, early, like, ultraviolence type of situation, so, um, yeah, so, that's the vibe, then, the other one was You Deserve This by Men I Trust, I think this one I discovered it through TikTok, actually, um, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, Men I Trust, um, I had a few songs saved by them prior to this, Maybe, yeah, four songs in total. Um, one of them was Pines, then I saved Numb, and then I saved Lauren. But the one I discovered recently was You Deserve This. So this song is so chill, so, like, vibey. Um, has, it's very, it's like, slow tempo, but, like, vibey. And has, like, a guitar bit, like all throughout the song, um, reminds me a lot of Summer, to be fair, I think I might be, like, using this when it comes to Summer, like, to do some, like, I don't know, TikToks or whatever it is, but it's just, like, a very, or, like, just listening to, to it during the summer, because it's very, like, vibey but summery song, and, of course, the, the way they sing is just, like, very, um, like, breathy and, like, soft, um, it's just really beautiful, um, so if you want to, like, chill or be in your thoughts, I would, I would, um, I would go for this one, I would go for You Deserve This by Men I Trust, um, so yeah, electric guitar, but, like, very mellow, and very, like, you know, slow tempo, so it's, like, beautiful, like, just gorgeous. Then, then, I cannot not mention this song, because I'm probably, this is probably the, the one, the, the one song that I've been listening to the most this week, Easy by La Seraphim. La Seraphim dropped their um, mini album. Was it on Friday? Last Friday? Or was it this Monday? No, I think it was this Monday, actually. I can't remember, but it feels like it's been here forever because I've been listening to it every single day. I even learned the choreo. Like, first of all... Okay, no, let's discuss first the song and I'm going to tell you what I did with this. But um, the song is, like, trappy, um, like trap beats. And it's a bit, like... The way I would describe it, actually, it's 
it, it, it kind of sounds like an Ariana Grande song sometimes. Like, you know the, the trap beats that Ariana Grande made popular back in, what was it, 2018, 19 or something with, um, you know, Thank You Next and all that shit. Um, that's not, like, that's a, like trap beats. Now, here's the thing with trap beats. Since they were so overused uh, back in the days, I, well, I think everyone quickly became, um, you know, sick, I guess, of the trap beats and the trap beat uh, trends and all that shit. So the bar for a trap beat song is high in a sense that you need to deliver especially hard with, with a trap beat song because you, it's so, like, it used to be so saturated and people are not really looking out for any sort of track like that. But it did. So I cannot deny the excellence of a good trap song. And it's just beautiful. I think what makes it special is that they combine, like, they switch tempos a lot of a lot of the time during the song. And they combine a lot of, like, the, the song goes slow and then it goes fast and then it goes, like, to claps and then it goes to drums and then it goes to, you know, the trap um, elements and all that stuff. So the main portion of the song is a trap uh instrumental like the the chorus and everything else but then it goes like a clapping sound and then a, a bit of um like um i guess like overly produced vocal uh type of production i guess there like when you when they like do a lot of autotune on the vocals but like stylistically i guess in that sense it's a very hype situation there but um they did it well i think it's so catchy the song is so catchy and What's even catchier is the whole vibe, the whole, like, choreography and all, all that. And the choreo is so fucking difficult. Like, it's not, like, super... Like, it is difficult. I, I'm not gonna lie. It's actually very difficult, the, the chorus part specifically. Um, because, as I said, like, even with the song itself, it goes fast, slow, fast, slow. And it's just, like, the, the choreo reflects that and it's just a very... Um, there's a lot of, like, sharp movements and, like, a lot of small details that you have to do fast, very fast. So, But I decided to learn it, and I am actually, I want to say, like, I was pretty successful with it. I did a TikTok on, with, uh, about, like, you know, with the with the song and with the choreo and everything else. So go check it out. I'm going to leave my TikTok in, my, in the description of this episode so you can check it out if you want. I don't know if you will, but you should, because what the fuck? Like, I put work into this please support a girl and um yeah so i had fun learning it actually that like it was very hard i'm not gonna lie like i sweat so much le trying to learn it but i learned it in an afternoon in a you know in an afternoon maybe not a full day maybe well it was afternoon and evening so half a day let's just say so but yeah the choreo is super super fun it's kind of like um very pop I guess, and it's just beautiful, just beautiful, and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the song is incredible, choreo is incredible, the lyrics are just so fucking funny, and, like, they're, they're braggadocious, like, they're gonna make it look, look easy, like, damn, I really make it look easy, that's the, the main line in the chorus, like, they make it look easy, pull up, and I rip it up like ballet, that's what they say, like, <laughs> it's like, okay, bitch, I'm with you, so, yeah, very, like, you know, big dick energy, I guess I would say, uh, type of um, track. Um, it's just, you know, making it look easy, making it look smooth, making it look like it's nothing for you, you know? Like, just ripping it up. And they are ripping it up, you know? So, I'm very happy about the song. It's um, definitely um, 
a nice change of、uh, pace for them. Still feels very Le Seraphim, but also it's different from what they've been doing. So I'm glad. I'm very glad. And yeah, the 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 video is also very beautiful. I love the music video. Go check it out as well. That's pretty, 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 pretty. So yeah. Then time to get into the portion of the songs of the week that I discovered through the Discovery Weekly on Spotify. I said it was a streak. So first of all. Okay, here, here's one. Put me in a movie, by well, how the fuck do I pronounce that? Bulcado show, Bulcado show is B U L C A D O S H O W. So Bul Bulcado, Bulcado show, altogether one word. But anyways, the name of the song is "Put Me in a Movie," and that's another like all these songs have a similar vibe, I guess. Um, it's just a beautiful, like beautiful track. I have to say, like it's a beautiful track. It's a very, I think what's very interesting about this this one specifically is the delivery of the singer. I don't know who she is, but she has a very hypnotic、um, way of singing, and it's all in falsetto, and the production is like very,、um, like moody.、Um, I don't know. To, like it, it is kind of like like it's, it's called "Put Me in a Movie," but it's like it feels like a very cinematic song, but like also a very weird, like experimental type of track. It's just、um, a moody song, but yeah, I love it. It's just the way she sings is just very captivating to me. It's just very unusual. I've never heard like I don't usually listen to like these type of singers, but it's just like a very.、Um, Eerie, eerie song. Like it's very beautiful. Then I want to be alone with you by Chloe Wilder. I don't know this girl, but this song is very punchy. It's very like,、um, it is rock, but it's not like, like,、um, hardcore. I guess I would say in that sense. It's like very punchy, though. Like it's still very punchy. I want to be alone with you. There's a, a nice. I like the intro and the outro are the same bit. Like it's just vocal.、Um, like it's a vocal flare. Like. They just start off with like harmonies, and then it, it gets into like the actual song, and it's just like、um, this very like punchy drum throughout the entire song, and the guitars slay, and then it's just like it's just funny that the、um, the verses and the pre-choruses are just very like、um, I don't want to say aggressive, but they're very like you know.、Um, Like you can feel some sort of like、um, yearning, like they want to be alone with a person, for example. And then it gets to the chorus, which is instead like very pulled back. It's still the same production throughout the entire thing, but the way she sings in the chorus is very like laid back,、um, and it's just beautiful. I just like love it so much. And yeah, if looks could kill, then I'd die. That's what she says. And I was like, yep, period. For someone who loves,、um, you know. Appreciates a lot of things for the beauty of it, and not for the actual substance. Like myself, I just love pretty things, and that's it.、Um, I agree. If looks could kill, then I'd die, man. I'd be dead. I'd be dead. Period. <laughs> and I wanna、um, maybe put this one. Let's see. Yeah, I'll, I'll do this one as well. <laughs> Sound of the Underground by Girls Aloud is just—I knew the song, I knew it. I never saved it for whatever reason, but it just came up in my Discovery Weekly, and 
it's just the guitar in this is just beautiful. Like it's a very um, it's like it sounds like a westerny type of like guitar, like um, and it's a very fast paced guitar and it's just beautiful. Like sound of the underground. Na, 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 na. So it's like it's just very like high, like high paced type of song. Love it. Very energetic. Um, very urban. Very urban. Um, love that. And then I also have, um, yes, so I'm just getting into into her. So through, as I was saying, through my Discover Weekly, I dis um, I discovered this artist called Have. So it's like H A space V A Y. Have I guess it's uh, how you pronounce it, but um, the song that like I discovered first was Moon Girl. It's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful track. Um, to describe her is just so difficult. But the way she she uh, the the best way I could describe her like the way she like sings and everything else, it, she has a very specific vibe, which is like kind of like whimsical mesmerizing like fat i literally made a playlist because of that this song it's called um fantasy core because like she reminds me so much of like a fantasy story or whatever it is like a fantasy vibe you know like fantasy as in the genre of, of movies and books and all this stuff but she has that sort of like whimsical type of way of singing moon girl is hands down my favorite song she's done it's just so well produced and it's just the chorus is just so fucking catchy, man. I cannot. Um, but yeah, very, um, they're very guitar heavy, but guitar like acoustic guitar, but also like, you know, um, dreamy, like very well produced. She sings like a siren. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like she has this very interesting way of singing. Um, it's just interesting. Like it's just beautiful. And the, um, like the way she, the chorus itself is just um incredible like let me see if i can find the lyrics actually for this one because it is just beautiful like I, oh yeah, yeah yeah won't you take me um as i'm meant to be wild basically she says like during the chorus like don't won't you take me as i'm meant to be wild and she keeps on saying like, wild, wild. It's, it's just like beautiful ah uh, and it's just like very smart also i like the transitions from the verses to the chorus specifically the second one the second verse into the second chorus it's just mm, bellissimo bellissimo so yeah i'm gonna put this song in in the in the playlist of like my the overture pamphlet uh songs of the week playlist of february and then i went to her profile and started lo looking for more songs by her and two songs specifically but entire ep is also very very good okay the, the ep is called avalanches and unfamiliar way unfamiliar ways to die but the song itself with the title track uh, uh like the the title track actually i think it is yeah oh yeah yeah so the ep is named after the, <laughs> the fucking <laughs> title track that makes sense right yes so avalanches and unfamiliar ways to die is just um very beautiful and venus in the sea is also my another favorite track as I, as I say, like, as I said before, like, she sings, like, in a very mesmerizing, like, siren-y voice. She does, like, a very weird thing with her voice. I kind of know, I'm not going to repeat it, the way she did it, but it's just very interesting. 
they're very like country adjacent but they're not country at all but it's just like this whimsical fantasy vibe but I, I cannot describe it it's just like it reminds me so much of like if i had to visualize this like while well, i'm listening to the song i would like specifically imagine zelda the world of zelda or the world the world of any studio ghibli movie like that type of like whimsical fantasy sort of vibe but yeah venus in the sea i think it starts off with um her singing a cappella ish like there's not much going on and then she gets into the chorus which is like guitar like a guitar behind it is just like beautiful oh my god it's just so like emotional and heartwarming and it's just gorgeous 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 um yeah she just tucks her vocal beautifully the harmony she does in the in her songs are just so like crazy good and i love that i love that so go listen to these three i'll, I'll put them in the playlist as well go listen to her specifically she's just very very cool and she's gorgeous man i follow her on instagram she's just beautiful um very interesting girl as well so period then then i do want to talk about um let's see should we put these two you know what let me put um yeah let me put this one um this song is called um boogie tonight by tweet didn't know anything about the song but i i've been going to the club a lot like a lot a lot a lot a lot like a lot like two months but like in a good way like I, i've been enjoying it a lot i've been going to the club so often every weekend or so um and this was actually from yesterday's uh, club night that i went to um so yesterday's in friday because i'm recording on a saturday but um this song came on and i was like oh my god god it's like um um like a very uh it's not r&b it's actually like let's say like it is sort of like it, it is very early 2000 sort of like um how would i describe it like it's a jammy song i guess like it's very jammy in that sense like you jam a lot to the song and it's like very um like yeah maybe it is like very early on r&b like early 2000 r&b like that type of um maybe you could like uh, associate it with um it can be put in the same category as um like Destiny's Child, like jump in or anything like that. Yeah, maybe jump in, jump in, jump in by uh, Destiny's Child. But like that sort of like you know rhythm and it's just um, very uh, like you you like you dance it. It's like you let your body move to the song. It's just beautiful. It's called Boogie Tonight. Boogie and then tonight is spelled as two the number night as in N I T E, and tweet is literally like T W E E T. So. I don't know anything about it, like any of these people, but um, just gorgeous. Um, I loved it so much. I was in a club. This came on. I was like, oh my god, I need to share that right now. Just was feeling it so much. It's just a beautiful song. So, <clears throat> damn it. And yeah, so this one definitely put it on. I'll, I'll put it in the playlist as well. And then I want to close off the songs of the week because I've been talking for so long it's been 30 minutes shit <laughs> see i knew i knew i was gonna get lost but last song i'm gonna end it up with um selena gomez love on love on love on by selena gomez is um 
I'm not really sure if this is gonna be part, like, if she's planning to do an album or what, like, a full thing. She did put out a single soon, which was a hit or a miss, I guess, for people. I recognized that it was pretty cringy as a song. I don't know, something was weird about the song, but at the same time, catchy. I cannot deny that. But this one, I think this is where the money's at. Um, I think Julia Michaels wrote this song, and I don't know if she also produced it, but whenever Selena and Julia Michaels, like, work together, I think that this is my opinion about Selena Gomez. She's not... Definitely not the greatest performer ever. Definitely not the greatest singer ever. Definitely not the greatest writer ever. She doesn't have, like, the array, I guess, that normal pop stars would have. But what she does have, I think, is a great, great instinct when it comes to picking, you know, her team and, like, her songs and, like, her, you know general vibe that she wants to go for when it comes to like a song that she wants to sing and all that stuff like she knows where she's good at and i think she knows how to curate a good you know single and a good like you know she has that instinct i guess she has an in a successful instinct that's why i think she has so many like listeners she has 47 million listeners so monthly listeners so damn <laughs> but yeah she has a lot um and i would say this song oh wait what what what, what the fuck like single soon has 164 million streams what <laughs> okay so that was successful then in the end i guess so but yeah she garners a lot of attention and she knows but this song specifically is just a very um uh, it fits her vibe completely as usual, as I was saying, like Selena has a very um, curated vibe, and she knows where, where to pick the, the right songs for. And um, this one is like turning your love on. You know, that's the whole purpose of the song. Like, wait, wait till I turn my love on. She's like, you're, uh, you know, ready to love someone and to get like loose and just be free and just love someone. And it's just like a very fun, like unapologetically and uh, like you know, just. Very like chill, beautiful song. The 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 production, the, the instrumental. I don't want to say it sounds like disco eighties or something like that. It doesn't, but it's just like very specific. It sounds like Selena Gomez. You know, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just beautiful. Great song, super catchy. Um, the chorus is super repetitive, but I love it. It's a, in a very interesting way. And you know, she's in love. She's in love. She's just. Like, you know, doing it. She's just doing it. And I'm so glad that we have these type of tracks. Because sometimes we do need, like, a very, you know, innocent and armless song. Not every song has to be um, super, like, emotionally charged or, like, heavily produced or anything super out there. Sometimes a good pop song is just simply, like, a good pop song. Like, very run-of-the-mill, but, you know, catchy and happy-go-lucky type of song, and this is it, this is beautiful, so I would encourage you to go and listen to it, it's a very catchy song, I've been obsessed with it, and I just love it, so yeah, this is pretty much it for the songs of the week, I'm gonna try to stop myself from talking even more, but before I head over to the next uh, section, which is the main story, I guess, um, I want to say that, well, I put all these songs in a playlist, of course, and then I decided to do a TikTok on 
one of my other playlists called uh, Best Bridges, uh, where I just basically put all my favorite bridges, um, well, songs with my favorite br bridges in. I did um, this TikTok where I was like going through the playlist, and TikTok took it down, took the video down. I was like, what? I didn't do anything. And I was like, it was not playing any any of the songs that were in the in the, in the actual uh, playlist. Uh, it said it said like violated community guidelines. But I, to be fair, I cursed every now and then in the video. But like I've seen way worse on TikTok, like in terms of explicit content. So I don't know what what's up with that. But TikTok is up my ass. Like they wanna kill me. They wanna see a bad bitch fail. But I appealed the the vid like the, the the you know the the decision i guess they they made but I, and the video got restored but it's sort of shadow banned at the end of the day now because you know um uh, and the weird thing is that it's saying that i have 200 views or something on the video but when i go and look at the viewers it just shows me five people so i don't know where they took those numbers maybe they were the original people that were about to be reached by the, the I don't know it's weird it's a, it's a very weird situation but yeah I got I got it restored but now it's like sort of shadow banned so I think only my friends can see it I don't know what happened there but there's no reach in terms of that video but fuck TikTok you know but also I love it but also fuck you <laughs> anyways this is my rant and maybe um I will get the platform forever but <laughs> For doing nothing. For just being me. Just being me. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I'll catch you in a few seconds. I'll quickly go for a break. And we'll get into the actual story. Uh, we're going to get into... What the fuck is the English language? That's the, the main topic. Like, we're going to get into inconsistencies of the British phonetics and the uh, just the English language in general. Like, girls, stay tuned. We're going to get intellectual here. And we're back. Back for the real bit. The real part of the episode, which was supposed to be the main part, but I think everything else is going to be the main part this time around. But anyways, yes, so to, the, the the topic at hand right now is going to be a pretty interesting one. I the, the topic itself is something that I always discuss in general. I don't know why it always comes up in my brain. Maybe, I, well, I found out why because I'm a I'm a foreigner, and I always, um, like, it's normal for a, it's normal for a foreigner to think about all the oddities in the English language when you, like, learn it, and when it's on your native native language, you clearly just always be, like, you, you become, like, very critical, I guess, of a language, of, like, how it works and all that stuff. Like, if you, like, for example, I, I would never investigate the Italian oddities as much as I do with like new languages that I learn in that sense because it's just like a, a given I guess it's something that is natural to me to speak Italian you know what I mean but English was not my first language so when I started learning it I started paying attention to like so many different oddities in the language and the um just in general like the phonetics the spellings the writing and all that stuff and the other day I was, well, that was like a couple of weeks ago now, but it was an idea that was planted in my brain by one of my friends, Erica. She she said, um, 
why don't you just do like an episode about it? Because we were discussing about uh, like this topic specifically. And she was like, why don't you just talk about it on your podcast? Like, it's very interesting. And it's very like, I think it's interesting, interesting both for like foreigners, like le learning English, because they would re like resonate maybe with these, um, they would agree with me about these like weird things. But also, it would be interesting for British and like English native speakers, Americans and all that to like listen to the oddities maybe that they have never picked up on about the English language you know so yeah my uh, my portion of this like episode um like this this bit is gonna be a lot about that a lot about discussing I did some research I did like I read some papers I read some like academic papers as well about both like the, the type of oddities that you can find in English language and also the history like the possible possible explanations as to why we have such a com like complicated you know spelling system in English that it doesn't reflect the actual phonetics like you have so many different sounds in the English language that can be uh, inter like it can be produced by the same by by different type of, like type of letters and consonants and vowels or like uh, syllables but they can produce the same sound or like a, the, the same syllable or the same letter can produce different sounds so um yeah, it's a very interesting, a very interesting, um, you know, topic in general. I always find it very interesting. And whenever I'm, for example, at work, I also, because I'm surrounded by a lot of uh, British people, I always talk to them about this as well. And I put them in a frenzy because they never thought of, like, any of these weird oddities. And it's just funny to see because, like, if you think about it, there's a lot of, like, inconsistencies in the language and it's just uh, crazy, you know? Um... So here's my opinion, actually, before I get into anything about learning English, my personal uh, journey. Um, I, started I started learning English, like, very early on, like, when I was in kindergarten with a native speaker as my teacher. And fun fact, she was from uh, Ireland. She was from Cork. So I don't know. Like, my accent is not really British. It's not really, like, Irish either. But it's just, a, like, a mixture of, like, I don't know what I picked up on YouTube and uh, the US and it's just in general like a, a, a mishmash of everything and it's just me being chronically online I guess that helped me to get like the fluency that I have now as well of course as studying and living in the UK for like five more than five years I guess so that also has to go to you know that, that has to count you know but yeah so I started learning it but when I was very young and I you know went to also private classes, uh, and it's just something that I, I've always, you know, studied in that sense, so I'm versed, I'm versed, I have a, I have two degrees in English, so <laughs> that's the, the main point, you know, but, um, I think when learning, I also, of course, learned other languages in my, you know, studies and everything else, and I can, safely compare them I guess in that sense like my experiences of course they're not gonna be universal in a way but my main opinion also as a you know European native I guess I would say like Ita Italian is my native language um I think English is actually the easiest language between the European ones to learn in a way um like in terms of grammar pretty straightforward I don't think it's anything super difficult especially compared to Italian like English is just a joke in that sense. Like, you just... It's very easy to, like, you know, learn a grammar, learn, I would say, also how to, like, construct, like, um, sentences and, like, you know, that. 
Um, that's, yeah, I think that's very easy as well. I think the great hurdle in that sense is actually the phonetics of it all. Like, the, I think the actual difficult part of the English language is, um, like, reading words or, like, learning the pronunciation of certain words. And um, not necessarily speaking it, because you can speak it, but um, I think what's very inconsistent in the English language is, like, the way you pronounce words. That's the, the main bit that I think you need to, like... There's no pattern there. You need to, like, just immerse yourself in the culture and in the language until you, like, become fluent by just mere, a mere fact of, um, you know, using certain words so often that they become natural to you, I guess. That's the only way. Because there's no pattern, there's no rule sometimes in the way British, like, the British, like, you know, the Brits put words, you know, in, in, in their vocabularies, like, the way they pronounce them and all that stuff. Even the phonetics of them, of them all, like, is just weird it's just different and of course well english is one of the most talked languages like uh, the most like you know dif um talked languages in the world so um there's of course a lot of variations and like even between the american english and the british english there's a lot of differences there and then in terms of pronunciation specifically but i think overall you could see that there is a lot of um you know the, there are many inconsistencies, I would say, yeah. So, yes, that's my thought. That, that, the, like, those are my thoughts on the English language in general. I think it's just a very easy language to learn in terms of grammar and everything else, but um, and writing and all of that. But the the very difficult part, which like even goes beyond other languages, like, for example, Italian, Spanish, even German, for example. French is a bit more close um, to the... English language in a way, in terms of um, how difficult sometimes it is, like in terms of inconsistencies of pronouncing words and all that stuff, but nothing I think it's quite like English, because English has a lot of like influences from so many different like um, other languages, like Nordic languages and French of course and like Latin and it's just, you know, very interesting to see. Um, and I think, of course, also colonialism played a part in it in the sense that they English became like a very international language because of, specifically because of colonialism as well. But also, you know, it picked up uh, pieces and like uh, tools from different you know languages as well as uh, you know specifically in a time when like it got so diffused as well. So, um, anyways. Um, so yeah, I was talking to my friend at the pub, and she was like, you need to talk about this. Like, it's very interesting to see uh, how, you know, it came all to be, and why why is it specifically like that for the English language uh, and all that. So, um, yeah. But as I said, like, I'm an Italian native speaker, so um, I never give a thought about Italian. So maybe Italian is also, like, there are some oddities in Italian, but I cannot think of many to be quite frank, uh, compared to English. So, here I am, ready to shred English to pieces. Um, yeah. So, the the first bit that I discovered, that I wanted to research on, was actually, like, the specific, um, I guess, like, in, inconsistencies and oddities, I guess. So, so, I read this article, this um, academic article by K&E Social Sciences, and uh, it's about it's, it's a phonology based study published um 
not too long ago, I think it was a couple of years ago, and it maps the inconsistencies, I guess, specifically between the many pronunciation of a single letter or the same syllable that can have that we can that you can encounter in the English language. Um, so ideally, they start off with like the general spelling system of any language should closely it should closely reflect pronunciation, and in many languages that indeed is the case. Like it it is like that. Like um, Spanish, as I said, like Italian. Even Japanese, for example, to be fair, there's a lot of like consistency in that. Uh, each sound of um, each sound reflects a, a specific, you know, spelling in that sense. So, but in English, it's not like that at all, actually. So each sound in the English language is represented by more than one written letter or by sequences of letters, and any letter of the English re represents more than one sound, or sometimes may not even represent any sound at all. So that through this study, they went through every single letter and every single combination of um, you know, consonants and vowels and syllables and words and spellings. And they found out that English is probably one, like, they, they said like it's one of the most inconsistent um, languages in the world in terms of spelling. So yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, I just need a confirmation, basically. I didn't need to, like, of course, look into evidence, but here's the evidence. This study does say that there is, like, a, a very severe um, lack of consistencies. Um, so, yeah. The part of the reason, like, why we start off with this is just because uh, there is, there, there throughout the entire, like, I guess, history of modern English, there have been so many changes and, um, you know, adjustments in terms of uh, pronunciation and spelling of words that is just like became very chaotic. But um, yeah, for example, this the one of the the um, the interesting facts that they brought up was the experience of English foreign uh, foreigners, I guess, in that sense, like. So if you're a foreign, foreign, sorry, foreigner language learner in that sense, um, English language, oh, how do you say that? Is that foreigner English learner? Yes. They use F-E-L, I guess, F-E-L, yeah, as an acronym, but yes. Um, they found most of, most, most of these people, most of these learners are, like, found English as being a very defective language. So as I said, like, one single letter of an alphabet cannot stand with one single phonetic symbol. And that is usually the case in many languages, but... In English, is I think it's almost every single word they found out. Almost every single uh, letter, actually, sorry, in the English language has um, myriad in that sense of pronunciations. So, yeah, that was very, very, very funny to see. Um, so, um, to comment on these inconsistencies, in a way, it's, like, it's just a way to point out the obvious, in a way. But there's no... I just want to preface this by saying like there is no way you can... Um, change it, you know what I mean, like, it's, it's to the process of, like, getting to this type of, like, um, you know, built, built up language, it's just too difficult to, like, the, uh, you organize and the, the scale in that sense, like, you just have to roll with it, but it's just fun to, like, point out the many inconsistencies, in my opinion, but, yeah, so, <clears throat> Yeah, the study found out about these, as I said, these four main points. One, the first one is the same letter of the English alphabet does not always produce the same sound. Two, the same sound is not always produced by the same letter of the English alphabet. Three, some letters of the English alphabet indicate indicated in words are not produced as sounds at all. And four, the sound um, 
there's there are some sounds produced in words that are not given by any letter. So in, when you spell a word, there may be some sounds that are not produced by any letter in the in the word, but they do sound like other letters in that sense. It's quite weird. But here are some examples. For the first point, there are some letters, as I said, like that... Um, for example, oh, sorry, let's go with the, actually, yeah, with the experience of pronouncing words with silent letters. So, for example, if you say cupboard, the P in cupboard is silent. So you spell it as cupboard, but you don't pronounce the P at all when you pronounce cupboard, right? So it's just cupboard. So it's funny. Then fighting is F-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. -I -I you don't pronounce the G-H-T at all. So it's fighting, fighting. It's just fighting, 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 mate. <laughs> I guess some people may say fighting, but you don't really pronounce the GH at all. I think the T is uh, up in the air. It depends on like how you pronounce it, but the GH is usually not pronounced at all. So it's fighting or fighting. <laughs> and then it's then it's plow, for example. Plow is P-L-O-U-G-H. G-H, again, you don't pronounce the G-H. Or listen. Listen, you don't say listen. Like, you don't pronounce the T at all. But you, you write it like that, you know what I mean? Or write, for example, write, to, to write something. The the W is not really pronounced. It's there to, like, give the R a bit of... It's not right, but it's right, right? But it's, it's just not really pronounced in a way, you know what I mean? But yeah, the letters, for example, in these examples, the letters in, in, in these words do not give any contribution to the sound specifically, but they're still written there, and... That's one of the interesting inconsistencies, I guess, of the language. It's just weird. Like, sometimes these these letters do have a sound, in other words. Um, but in other words, they don't. So, and there is no pattern, there's no formula, there's no rule that tells you when to omit the sounds from, you know, from the letters in uh, written in English words. So, um, you just have to roll with it. You just have to learn by speaking, I guess. Then, a letter can support, as I said, many as two or more different sounds in a word, or different words. For example, the k sound, for example, the letter C can have many different sounds, like, can have a k sound, like, for example, cup, as I said, cup, so has the k sound, and then, for example, church, the, even though it's, like, ch, but this the c here has a ch sort of pronunciation, or the c can also be pronounced as, as an s, sort of, like, center, s, uh, like sort of similar to the S sound is center, right? But it's C E N T E R. So it's also very like yeah. This is one another like inconsistent phenomena in the spelling of the words and like pronunciation of phonetics. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, there's also sound. There are sounds um, represented by different letters, such as, uh, for example, D, G, and J. Sometimes have very similar phonetics. So, for example, education or gigolo or judge are all using the same j sort of sound, but they are they are like spelled with different letters. So, education is e d, of course, and then gigolo is g i g, and then is judge with the j. So, that's an interesting, you know, an interesting fact, I guess. There and there's plenty of other examples like these. In other uh, examples, there are intrusions of sounds where there, there are no letters indicating the word. So sometimes, for example, um, 
you you have what was it oh yeah um inquire for example choir like c-h-o-i-r you have a sort of like w sound in it even though there's no w it, it feels like there is like a it feels like it should be spelled like well it doesn't make sense if i say it but it sounds like it should be spelled like this like c-h-w-o-i-r choir right because it's not choir, it's not like that, or it's not choir, it's not choir, it's choir, for whatever reason. And see, the CH here is not pronounced as CH, like as I was saying before in church, but it's CH is like K. So, make it make sense, bitch, make it make sense. <laughs> but yeah, so sometimes there are sounds where there are no letters producing that sound, but you just put that sound in it. Um... It's just very funny to me, but yeah. Um, or sometimes, for example, what I've one oh, example that came up at work was we do say, like for example, in in between, for example, the American and the British English, you do have two different sounds. For example, you you say tomato, it's a tomato, in American English, yes, and then it's tomato, right, in British uh, English, but. You don't say potato or potato. No one says potato in Brit in British English. So, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. So if you think about also like how it might like the, the language migrated and changed, even then and there, because of the inconsistencies in the language, sometimes there's no even like proper change all throughout the language. So like you would have these oddities where, for example, you have tomato tomato but you wouldn't have potato or potato you know what i mean it's just weird i don't know it's just very much linked to how you know not because like specifically because like english is not so anchored to the uh, spelling of the words there are so many variations of how you can pronounce a, a single word in different parts of the world it's just very interesting to see honestly but yeah so yeah um kelly was like a renowned um language expert, wrote um, an article in 2004 and said that English compared to, like, for example, Italian, Spanish, Indonesian, and Japanese are, um, is very, like, defective because these other languages are examples of phonetic, proper phonetic languages, where there is a, an essential one-to-one -one relationship between spelling and pronunciation, while English has no one-to-one -one relationship, but it's more, more, more most times it's one-to-two, but there are plenty of cases where it's, like, one-to-three or to-four, uh, relationship in that sense so it's quite quite odd and very interesting i just love it just it's just so funny like it's just a mishmash of you know no rules basically there are no rules in in when it comes to a pronunciation it's just very funny um but yeah i i can see why for example these uh complicated relationships between like pronunciation and spelling do make it difficult for some people to learn it i think specifically because there are no rules you just have to go for it. You know what I mean? You just have to immerse yourself and get used to it. That's unfortunately the only way to go about it. But yeah, this study specifically, as I said, like pointed out that there are very like evident, I, I guess, uh, inconsistencies. And so the more I was reading it, the more I was like, you know what? But like, okay, cool. Like, this is a matter of fact. Like, I, I knew about this anyways. But my main question was, how? How did we get here? And how, like, like, compare, for example, as I was saying, like, to Italian or um, Japanese or uh, Spanish, 
how are they these like how are they this like different in terms of um, you know phonetics and spelling relationship um so i went on the web as well and found another article um by a phd uh, linguistic student called arika okrent um and she's currently uh, an author at eon uh, it's a it's a paper about specifically um well english languages and all that stuff um but yeah she wrote this article called typos tricks and misprints why is english spelling so weird and unpredictable um so yeah she went in uh she went in um about the history of um these inconsistencies um so um starting off the bat with this article she did say that um like she did point out as well as the other article that i was referring to that um there are plenty of interesting inconsistencies and one of the more um recurring ones are the uh, the ones related the pronunciations of o u g h um syllables in words so sometimes o u h can be pronounced as aw like thought like thought or drought so ow or off like tough or like off like cough or like ooh like through or oh like though you know what i mean like it's just you always spell it the same way it's always o-u-g-h but you can pronounce it so many different ways it's just crazy but um or even like she went in with the E A vowel is usually pronounced like E, like weak, please, seal, beam, and all that stuff. But it can also be pronounced as uh, like Brad, had, wealth, feather, all that stuff, you know? So even combinations of vowels or like just a simple vowel combination, you know, can be pronounced in many different ways. Um, and there's plenty of more examples, of course, like even um, where E A can be pronounced as A, like break or steak or great or whatever but it's always ea vowel combination uh and they just have so many inconsistent ways of pronouncing them but anyways um so yeah the the spelling system as you can tell is a, is a mess um if you even you don't even call it a system as uh arika okran says it's sort of like its own living thing that just doesn't have specific like set of rules it's just it's not a system like it's not a system it's just um a set of customs i would say more than anything else um and so that is a starting point for from when like she decided to like research on it saying like how do you, how did we get from like far away from a system like, how did we end up with a, a customary sort of use of the language instead of like a systematic one and Admittedly, for a non-native speaker, the mastery um, of this, you know, customs is never truly achieved, I would say. Like, you can get very close to it, but it's just like, whenever you're encountered with a new word, you're always going to be scratching your head. You know what I mean? Because it's just not straightforward at all. But anyways, um, she does uh, um, as well also hear get like a bit of a comparative uh, study on like um, italian german swedish hungarian lithuanian and polish um languages and she does say that yeah 
you could you could easily as a new learner you can easily like in a matter of well she said in a matter of like a, a day you can literally learn how to read maybe you're gonna be completely off in terms of like um fluency of course and rhythm and stress and pace and all that stuff but you could actually read the uh, like a, a, a sentence for example in any of these languages but you cannot easily do it with english or french to be fair french is also notorious for yeah for spelling changes to be fair but i think the amount of inconsistencies in english is just outstanding so yeah um the league that english is have to let you know is this like crazy like it's it's it, like it's so difficult that they had to like write a dictionary of the british english spelling system that runs to more than 450 pages like usually for any other language for like italian or something it would be like i don't know what like 10 pages of how to spell how the spelling system works maybe not 10 pages but it's definitely not 450 pages like the dictionary that was published in 2015 has 450 pages on how to spell different words in english it's just that big like it's crazy but okay so this then prompted her to like go into like of course the history of the english language and she started off with the middle ages where various european languages adopted and adopted latin alphabet right so english started getting the same influx of other romance languages like Germ uh like you know like italian spanish and all that but the difficult path that english had to endure was because of um, the many changes in colonization of England, in that sense. Um, so we went from the Anglo-Saxon tribes, bringing Old English in the 5th century, and then we went to the Viking invasions in, at the beginning of the 8th century, uh, adding the Old Norse to the mix of, you know, influences. And then we had the Norman conquest, of course, in the 11th century, where the French influence started taking over. And then... We had, like, of course, the mixing of population and growth of London in between, like, 13th and 14th centuries. So that's, like, um, <clears throat> like between the 5th and the 14th century, we have a good 10 centuries of just constant change and influxes of different influences, you know? So, <clears throat> yeah, it's just, um, like, a matter of changes and all that stuff. But that's not to say, like, any other language did not have the same, like, you know, changes and all that stuff. I think what she actually brings in is very interesting to me. It's, like, it's unfortunately the timing of when printing became a thing. So, um, there was a specific phase where English was at its most fluid state in that sense. And it was in between the Latin... Um, standardization which was with the roman conquest that was when english was getting its own like standardized latin form and the end point was when instead we settled um in the modern days basically like after i would say like after yeah maybe after the 14th century to be fair like um that's when it properly started to settle down uh but the printing moment um like printing when printing i think printing was like wait when, oh no no sorry yeah so the printing was the moment where like it started standardizing basically the spelling <clears throat> so up until of course the 15th century we still had as i said the <clears throat> growth of london but it was um 
exactly when well people started like comp I would say companies started not companies but you know what I mean like um printing how do you call them printing um printing companies I would say like started um let me see if I can find the actual name of it but so basically when printing was invented of course it was still used by aristocracies and like the church as well predominantly to just start uh, copying uh, holy how to say like holy bibles and all that stuff um but yeah that when he started like becoming a thing of um just you know standardizing for every single type of book that's when the and the few, of course like uh sending the books to the like the different population like different strata of the population that's when we started having like a full standardization of how to spell words in that sense you know, right but yeah the timing when this came on it was just a very inconvenient time because as i said english was very much in a fluid state and there was no um so uh, the way you you spell things was just up for grabs, basically. So, um, however the population came to like you know um, get used to it, that's how it was gonna get spelled, basically. And, and there's a lot of like power imbalance in that sense because when you produced uh, a written um, piece of work, then you were dictating how to spell a word, and that's how it was gonna be. Well, I don't want to say forever, but most of the cases for a long period of time, people are, were going to be sad on the fact that it's how you spell the word, you know? So, it's just, like, a matter of, um, as I said, customs more than systems. So, the popular version of how to, like, spell a word was, if it was going to be printed, then it was going to be cemented as the way you spell the word pronunciation was one thing but the way you wrote it was another so it's just crazy like the power of printing was just actually unparalleled in that sense but yeah um so there's a very interesting quote in this article that says like english was a home in a kitchen in the workshop and a marketplace marketplace but was less sure of itself in other registers so the 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 writing was uh the writing of english words was not ever standardized until but it was the, the common english like the common english language that was spoken was like you know very vibrant in all these places but it was not ever like standardized until you know the advent of printing so so the, the normal invasion was the main the, like i would say the, the biggest disruptor because of course the, the french influence was the one the one that started giving like you know new um I would say like new like syllables in a way like new pronunciations and new like ways of writing as well and it took english far away from latin um standard way of uh, you know spelling in that sense so it was very interesting to see how like it disrupted the linear path maybe if um printing came at a time before the norman invasion the article also says that that maybe if it did printing beca became a thing before that maybe would have had a more standardized English, more similar to, like, Italian and Spanish and all that stuff. Or, if it came well after the, you know, the French influence was settled, like, you know, we're talking about, like, 18th century or something, then <laughs> we would have had a very more, like, British lenient, uh, sorry, French lenient sort of English in that sense. So, it's so funny. Um, 
it's very interesting to see, yeah. So France, for example, brought, um, like, filled in the gaps where English was out of practice, for example, like, govern, judge, office, punish, money, contract, number, action, student, all this stuff, all these words were brought from the French vocabulary in that sense. So, yeah, that was when it started becoming, like, you know, influenced a lot. So, uh, movable type was, as I said, like, was invented in Europe in... Uh, by Gutenberg in uh, 1450. Um, and, yeah, so you would move characters around and on metal alloys and, you know, like, you would print on tray pads and all that stuff, and it was just, like, you know, very, you know, a very fast-paced production of uh, written um, works in that sense. So, yeah, um, Caxton, who is, uh, William Caxton, who is um, uh, a merchant in the 1476, uh, he f he set up in England the first English press, and yeah, um, he was one of the main like people who like had an enormous power on how to like you know spell words. <laughs> that sense. Um, think about that. Like you dictate how a word is gonna get you know. In that time where no one everything was up for grabs. In that sense, like you were the one dictating dictating for the future how you're gonna spell a word. Of course, there were like you know changes throughout, throughout history, but that was a starting point, basically. But yeah, once the type had been set, you could print off as many copies as you wanted, but that the typing set had to stay the same. You, you couldn't change it as easily, you know what I mean? So it was just, you know, an easy and quick way of just standardizing everything. Um, so yeah, very interesting. <clears throat> so the way it worked is that the spellings of certain words got entrenched by being t printed over and over and over again, in widely distributed texts very early on. So people started reading books and starting like started like, you know, associating their pronunciations to the way they were written and that's how it went basically, yeah. Some spellings um uh as I said it got interested this way, but also um you can see for example in they they bring an example of the word ghost, G H O S T, which had been spelled and pronounced as G-A-S-T in Old English, but took the G-H spelling under the influence of the Flemish-trained uh, compositors, for example. So, when we started printing the word ghost, the compositors, who are Flemish-trained, started spelling it as G-H-O-S-T, and so ever since then, ghost is spelled as that. And it's one of the most, it became one of the most popular words also in that time, because it was used a lot in like religious texts, like Holy Ghost and all that stuff, and so... Yeah, the way you spelled it became quickly very popular in the popular usage in that sense. So it just became to look right at a certain point. You know what I mean? Other spellings also arose in this time. For example, I find it very interesting that when they go into like the would, should, and could of it all. So would and should have always been um, pronounced with the like L sound. Like the L in would, you would pronounce would and should. It used to be like this. And because it was the, the past forms of will and shall, but could was never pronounced with an L. It never was. It was the past tense of can, could, you know? So the way it was first uh, spelled was C-O-U-D-E, could, or C-U-T-H-E. But since it was so similar to like would and should, like as in past forms of will and shall, it just became to look right to like just spell it as 
C-O-U-L-D. You know what I mean? It's just, and with the printing's rise, yeah. The L sound was also already often absent from the pronunciation of wood and should. So by the time they printed off should, would, and could, they all were, you know, printed off in the same spelling, but they all also merged the pronunciation. So they all started taking from could, the absence of uh, of the L, but could started being spelled as would and should. It's just <laughs> insane. But yeah, crazy shit. And <clears throat> yeah, I think another important thing to talk about is vi visual patterns of how you see words and all that stuff. Like if you see a certain pattern in visual um, spelling, then you were going to start like cementing it as the the way you spell things. Not necessarily the way you, you pronounce them, but the way you spell them. Like if you see a certain type of words spelled in a certain way, like if you see a pattern of spelling visually, then you're going to start visually reproduce like sorry writing like when you write it you're going to reproduce the same way you know what i mean so you're going to standardize it in that way so yeah <clears throat> latin spellings of course can also reinforce french spellings of course because french is at the end of the day a roman spelling uh, a roman language but sometimes french um filled in the gaps in the english language that were not provided by latin um and you can find in french a lot of like you know, inconsistencies as well. Like, for example, oh my god, I don't know, I don't want to say it, but a song like S A N G and C E N T. Sometimes, like they are pronounced the same, but they're spelled differently. You know what I mean? So that has a lot of that, but they were reinforced by the Latin language because C E N T came from centum in Latin, and sound that came from like sanguinum, which is like uh, blood, right? So the Latin connection sometimes ser serves as a reference to stabilize spelling in that sense. But yeah, the main point in this article is that the had, had the normal invasion not interrupted the literary tradition of the old English, so the Latin-based English, we might have ended up with a similar situation as um, a, spelling, a spelling system with silent letters and shifted sound vo uh, values, but grounded in the spelling of their earlier forms. So Old English would have continued to be the basis of the writing tradition that would have later been set into type, basically. Instead, we had numbers of parts moving and changing and all that stuff, and so there was no anchor at all. Also, another interesting thing that was um, pointed out is that when the printing became an established force in that sense in the English uh, scene, English itself was also undergoing another change, which was called the Great Vowel Shift. In broad terms, it was basically... Um, over the course of some centuries, sounds changed and vowels moved around. So words such as name and make, for example, once had uh, an A-H vowel. So, so it would be na-nam, I guess, and mac in that sense. Like it used to be like name, the A wasn't supposed to be the A, but ah, like, like in German, for example, name and machen, basically, right? Um, or English father, like father, a the a sound there is ah, right? Um, but during the great vowel shift, it moved from more of a an a uh vowel as in bad, and then eventually got to a as today, for example, yeah, yeah. So, but so the the pronunciation kept on changing during the great vowel shift, but the the spelling stayed the same because of the printing. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you printed words in a way if, like. They all stayed the same, but the pronunciation became different, you know? So, same thing with, like, words that ended up with a double O spelling, generally used to be pronounced with a long 
O sound. For example, moon, book, both used to sound something like moan and boke, like moan and boke, right? The the two O's quite logically represented basically a long O, but before moving to a U sound, like that was during the vowel, great vowel shift. So you started um, printing it off as double O, but eventually the sound became U by popular usage. So it became moon and it became book. However, sometimes the long vowels be can also become short vowels, like um, the more lax U vowel, like push, poo. And, you know, moon ended up with the June vowel, but sometimes book became push vowel. You know what I mean? Like you say book, but not book. Like not book. You know what I mean? Not moon, not book, but book, you know? So it's just, you know... They changed out no rules, as I said, but it's just the way that it was already printed off, and then the pronunciation started, like, you know, changing after that, but you still remained with that standardized printing, you know? So, yeah, the, the important bit to take out of this is that when technology spreads, so does a habit of using it, you know what I mean? So, before we had uh, before we had printing, we had writing, but we we cannot go specifically too back, like, too, too much back, back further in that sense, because... Human human language isn't necessarily a technology. Um, it's more of, in my opinion, like as a as also she says, it's a more of like a um a nature based sort of like endeavor. You know what I mean? Like it's just something that you it's not something that you discover. You is a, a tool that you pass on, but it's just something that has always been with us in terms of communication. You know, but it, the way technology spreads and the habit of using it, they have to go hand in hand. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That's pretty much it on what I have wanted to say. Well, how much? Oh my god, it's one minute twenty-one. Oh, sorry, one hour and twenty-one minutes. But anyways, <clears throat> this was my excursus on like English language. It's just so funny. I just have, you know, by reading these, I found so many interesting like you know oddities and all that stuff. It's just so so interesting, so interesting to me. So, um, yeah, I hope this interests you. I know it's a bit of a different way of like I usually don't talk about these things, but it's just like I said, like. This podcast is about anything that catches my eye, anything that I like, love to talk about. And yeah, so I hope it was not boring. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and I'll see you in the next episode. Stay warm, stay inside. We're almost, um, you know, we're almost approaching spring, so stay strong, you know? You better bloom like a flower soon. <laughs> See you next week. Have a good week. Bye.